Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Mill City Church one more time. Glad you're here this morning. Is everybody out there? Hello. Good. The lights are a little bright. It is a little bit warmer up here than it is where you're sitting. Prayers are appreciated. Um, no, it's totally fine. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. Just a special welcome to anybody who's visiting. We're really glad to see you. So glad that you're here with us on this summer Sunday. Um, I just wanted to share just something that maybe some of you aren't realizing is happening right now. So this summer, there's a few pastors here in Northeast Minneapolis who are on sabbatical. And it's just been a really cool thing because members of our team have been preaching at different churches uh, around the Northeast area to help fill in for the sabbaticals of the different pastors. And you might think that doesn't sound like anything too special, but it really is because these are churches that have different traditions and different backgrounds than we do. And oftentimes when a pastor is not able to speak for whatever reason, you turn to their faith tradition to find somebody maybe from, from a few towns over to come speak. But here in Northeast, we've been um, having people fill in around because of the, the connection that we have here as churches in Northeast Minneapolis through Mission Northeast, kind of our convergence of churches here of all different types of, of denominations and backgrounds. So this morning we have uh, Pastor Mike who is speaking at Wake Park Wesleyan Church in Northeast, and then we have uh, Pastor JD, who's speaking over at Elam Church. So at this very moment, there's three of us pastors of Mill City Church speaking at three different Northeast Minneapolis churches, and I just, I want to say that because I think that's testament to something that God is doing. We are told in Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings unity between people and can bring unity in diversity, and so um, it's, it is unusual for churches to share the way that we have, and so I just want to celebrate what God's doing. Would you celebrate that with me this morning? amazing so we've been subjugating these other churches I was at Wake Park a few weeks ago Christian Ann was there we've been um, subjugating them is that a word subjugating look that up male students um, to our sermon series because one of the even shows even more trust is that they said you can come share about whatever you want so we thought well we'll share about the sermon series that we're doing at Mill City so uh, we've been in a conversation called you are what you love you are what you love and I would say that the core kind of theory of this summer conversation is what in, is in our hearts is going to have the deepest impact on what we do and on our lives. What is in our hearts is going to have the deepest impact on our lives. What we love is going to impact our lives more than what we think. And this is important to point out because our default, in, at least in most North American cultures, is to assume that what you think determines who you are rather than what you love or what you desire or what you care about having to do more with who you are and who you become. So uh, just a brief overview of what we've talked about. We talked about this concept and then we did a audit, an audit not to freak anybody out if the IRS has audited you recently. This was a heart audit, an audit on the emotions, the things that are going on inside your heart. And so there was a lot of questions that people could look through and answer about what is going on inside of our hearts. And then we spent the next couple of weeks af after that talking about fear. Because what we have realized, at least as we listen to you, a big part of being a pastor is listening to you, listening to the neighborhood, um, listening to God. We've noticed that when you do a heart audit, when you ask the, the, the deep question, what's going on inside of my gut, um, especially right now, but oftentimes, fear is something that comes up. And we know that that's something that human beings have wrestled with for a long time because the Bible says, do not fear, like 365 times. So uh, do not fear because fear is often what's going on deep in our hearts. So we talked about that for a couple of weeks. And then last week, I took a turn towards just saying, okay, all right, if that's what's going on inside of us, how do we go from where we're at to where God might want us to be? How do we turn our hearts, calibrate our hearts, 
um, step into heart-shaping activities that lead towards what God might want for us, lead towards love and peace rather than fear, um, self-protection, many of the other things that can sometimes grip our hearts. So that's where we've been going, and today I'm going to get really practical. So it's going to feel maybe even more like a training today than a sermon, so I'm just going to prepare you for that, and you can participate at the level that you want to. Don't freak out. It just means it's going to be a little more tactical. We're going to talk through some very, very practical things today. So before we do that, would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for all these people here in this room. God, you are present with us. We believe that when we are gathered here in your name that you are here and that you are amongst us as we worship. But we also believe that you go from this place and you lead us into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our homes, our families, and every space that you are doing something and we get to be a part of that. And we, as we do every week, pray for this school here that you would be blessing them. You'd bless the faculty, the staff, the students. As the students are um, on summer break, we pray for their protection. Jesus, we pray for their safety. And we pray that you would be rejuvenating the faculty and staff as they prepare to come back uh, next month, God. Um, we give this time to you. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so mine, I'm notorious for asking the community time question and actually wanting you to talk about it. So the community time question is, what is something that you've practiced in your life? So you can look back over your whole life. What is something you spent a lot of time practicing? So I'd love to just hear a couple people shout out. What are things you've spent time practicing in your life? A little louder. Piano. Okay. Anybody else for the musical instrument? All right. Anybody finished like ninth grade? No more after that. That was me, the trumpet. Haven't seen it since. All right. What else? What else is something you've spent time practicing? Patience. Patience? Yes. Your wife is smiling. She's like, yes, thank you. Yes, good, good. Hey, Mill, what would you guys say you've spent time practicing? The cello. Oh, any other cello players in the house? All right, Isaac, the cello, the cello player. Any, what else have you spent time practicing? Irish dance, sports. Any other sports people practicing? I can't even count how many hours I spent practicing ice hockey, and now it has nothing to do with my life. It's very bizarre. Okay, anything else? Ooh, penmanship. Who's still for cursive being taught in this? No, we're not going to go there. Sorry. I don't want to start a debate about the cursive thing. All right, good, good. So there's a lot of things that we have practiced in our lives, and uh, we think of activities usually when we think of things that we've practiced in our life. And so maybe some more things you've practiced are flooding into your mind. And I want to suggest that there's something that more people in the world are practicing right now uh, in this last month than perhaps we've seen any other thing being practiced, and that is the game Pokemon Go. Were you going to guess, Abduak? Yeah. So put this up on the screen here. So this, is, I have never played Pokemon Go, but I have watched over people's shoulders. And so this is a screenshot of Allie. Where's Allie? Somewhere over here probably. Um, watching over her shoulder. There you are. As, we, as she was playing Pokemon Go. So I think the idea is that you practice catching a Pokemon. So let's just straight up. Who's playing this game? Raise your hand. What is a Pokemon? A pocket monster? Is it an animal? Is it an alien? Like, what is it? I don't understand. It's fictional. Okay, so it's from a fictional world, and there's these animals. Okay, so, cool, fine. That's what a Pokemon is. The idea is you're supposed to catch them, and then they battle for you. Is that right? That's what Allie told me. So you, you want to catch the Pokemon. So this is one over here. Does this one have a name or something? Okay. And, and the, see the little green dot around the Pokemon's face? The idea is that your little ball capsule thingy needs to hit them right in the face. All right? And so... 
the, 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 the green thing gets bigger and smaller, right? Have you walked? Okay, so the idea is that you want to practice right at the right moment shooting your ball capsule thingy at their face. And the more you do that, the better you'll get at it. And if you look, you'll see that this is actually, this is St. Anthony, Maine right here in the middle. This is all of us at the fireworks last night for the Aquatennial. And those little things are places where the Pokemon might show up, yeah? Right, the, mo the pocket monsters. So you, oh, so you're like putting them in your pocket. Oh, okay, I get it. So if you get the Pokemon, you're putting them in your, your cyber pocket on your phone, right? So your phone is showing you all of these things and then you catch the Pokemon. A bunch of people are like, I didn't actually want to know any of that. But uh, apparently you do this and if you practice, you'll get better and better at catching the Pokemons the Pokemans, whatever they are. And the more you get, the higher your score, things like that, right? So all these people are practicing this thing. And it turns out that if you are a Pokemon person, you are like a huge fan. And if you're not, you're like really not a fan, right? Like this is like, you're against the fact that people are walking around with their phones like this or something. So I see that it's like, it's like everything else right now. We cannot escape the dualistic thinking. It's like, I'm Pokemon or no Pokemon. There's like no middle ground for some reason. And I have no opinion about this. I honestly don't. I, whatever. But my point is, is that people are practicing things all the time, almost kind of without thinking. Uh, not like you're not thinking about the game, but like what you realize is you're actually getting better at a skill. And there's things that we're doing all the time that we maybe aren't picking up our cello to practice, but we are picking things up in our life, uh, ways that we are responding to things, ways that we are approaching things. And every time we do those things, we're practicing it. And every time you practice something, at least the hope is, right, you get better at it. Which I think brings up a very interesting question. Think about this. There's activities that we're doing all the time that we don't even notice that we are practicing and getting better at. So, for instance, uh, you see something on the internet or maybe in a conversation and it's something that you disagree with. And your gut reaction is to jump into this kind of defensive posture. And you may or may not actually do anything, but in your heart you feel super defensive, right? You're practicing that. Every time you respond that way, you're practicing that, and you're getting better and better at responding with defensiveness right away. Another option would be to respond with a sense of wonder and question. I wonder why this person is interested in this. I wonder why they're saying this, or many other responses that you could have. And if you do that over and over and over, you're practicing it, and you'll get better at that. That would be your response. Let me give you a couple other examples. I gave an example a few weeks ago of uh, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is look at my phone because it's my alarm clock. And so I look at that and I start looking at all the notifications and I realized that I was practicing being woken up by FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. And so I'd wake up with FOMO and it would actually wake up my brain. And I was practicing being woken up by FOMO every single day. So a few weeks ago, I decided I was going to change that. And instead of looking at the notifications, I was going to get a real alarm clock and I was going to start to read something else, anything else but stuff on the internet, uh, to be a little bit more encouraging so that I could be woken up by other things. Encouragement is not as uh, good at waking you up as FOMO, it turns out. And so this is me like reading something, just like nodding my head and my dog is confused. And, and so it's been hard because I have significantly trained my brain to wake up through this fear, this sense of jolt to my brain. And it's, I've practiced it so much that I've become very good at it. So this has been really interesting. Let me give you uh, one other example. When something is really burdening us, when we're feeling stressed out, I know I'm not the only one that gets stressed out sometimes here. Uh, we sometimes practice uh, a way of escaping. 
And I'm all for doing something fun and whatever, but sometimes we practice these ways of escaping and we go to food or TV or any number of things which aren't in themselves bad, but we're like constantly escaping from the burdens and the stress. And then you're practicing that and you're going to get better and better and better at that. But the other option could be, I'm going to actually process that. I'm going to call somebody and talk about it. I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to, to acknowledge how I'm feeling and then go on to Netflix, but at least start with what's going on here, right? So you can see, does everybody agree with that premise that if you do one or the other more and more, you're going to get better at that? It's going to become more and more who you are. This is psychologically proven. This is not really up for debate among science. This is how our brains work. This is how our hearts work. This is how God wired us. We will get better at the things that we practice. So do you see kind of where I'm going with this? So there's all these things in our lives that we practice, and nothing in our lives, the good or the bad, has become a habit, has become a part of us without practicing. And the only way for our hearts then, as we are talking about our hearts, to be shaped is through practices that become habits. Practices that become habits. And last week I pointed out how natural it is for a lot of us to long for change and growth to happen from like some big moment. And then after that moment happens, I'm going to be different. Or I'm going to make some big commitment and then everything's going to change. And that's just not how we're wired. That's not how it works, I suggested last week. Nearly all important things that happen to us or happen in our world come from day-to-day -day actions and habits that form us into the people that we become. We are what we love. And so I want to get really practical about what are the heart-shaping practices. You could use a lot of words, but I'm going to use the word practice. Um, you could say rhythms, rituals, routines, but what are the heart-shaping practices that lead us towards people whose hearts are shaped towards God, whose hearts are ready to respond to what God's trying to do in our lives. That's where we're, what we're talking about here. And so I would say that this is, in my opinion, a crucial moment in history when the people of Jesus need to take very, very seriously our call by Jesus himself to be people who are known by our love. I think we need to take that call more seriously than maybe we ever have in my lifetime, that we need to see the, the, the way that we exist in the world to be people who are, are compelled by love and not captivated by fear. I think this is a time when we need to be people who have the kind of assurance and hope in the future that allows us then to be peacemakers even amongst our enemies. Not to discard truth or not to, to face things that are difficult, we need to be real, but also to be able to fully engage. I think that we have to be people who have what I would call steadfast endurance in pursuing the things that God loves in a world that God loves. I would say that this is our call, to be people who are rooted in mercy and justice and love and to have hearts that display the fruits of the Spirit, which I bet many of you have looked at over your life. You can't force those, it turns out. Those come out of your life when this is who you are. So, as we kind of go through this, last week we talked about Luke 8. So I'm going to look at that passage again. Instead of looking at a whole new space, I want to look at Luke 8. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 8, 5 through 15. And I'm going to read it for you. We'll have it up on the screen. And, and what's happening here is Jesus is making what I would say is a very bold statement about the condition of our hearts and what the results are to the different conditions of our, of our heart. What are the, the outcomes of a heart that is calibrated or shaped towards God's love and a heart that is not? What are the different outcomes? Jesus is making it pretty clear here in Luke 8, and he's talking to a large group of people who've gathered around him, and he's going to tell a story or a parable. And Jesus does this all the time. He gives these kind of illustrations. So this is what he says, starting uh, Luke 8, verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed, 
And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? And this is really key. Jesus doesn't always explain it as clearly as he does here, but he explains it very clearly. Listen to the heart language here. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, through hearing they may not understand. But I'm going to tell you the meaning. The meaning of this parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are ones who hear. And when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a no noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And then just a little while later, Jesus says this phrase that's pretty bold. He says, my family, the people who are with me, are the ones who put my words into practice. So you see the connection there, this words being put into practice with the word that is the seed that is planted in your heart. And so if I could kind of sum up what Jesus is saying here, he's saying that a heart that can grow a crop or a heart that can be productive for the kingdom of God is, is soft and good and is made soft and good because of love practices, because of putting the words of Jesus into practice, daily practices that shape our hearts towards love. Jesus is called the word that is made flesh. So when he says the word is falling in your heart, he's talking about himself here. Yes, he's talking about the Hebrew scriptures. He's talking about the stories about his life, but he's also talking about his presence coming to your heart and whether or not it is ready to receive the, the seed, the, so, the things that God is sowing in your life. And God is sowing so many things in your hearts. I've seen it. It's been amazing. I gave a whole list last week and I could have gone on and on, but most people don't like when I do that. So I try to stop. So, but God is sowing so many things in your life, planting things in your hearts, Jesus' words, Jesus' life, and I see you all wanting to step into that. And so this, this passage, I think it's important to, to note, and I noted this last week too, um, has often been used specifically in the, in the tradition that we come from to talk specifically about salvation or whether or not people are in or out when it comes to following Jesus. And I think there's some aspects of this passage that have to do with that. But I actually think if you really just look at what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about the heart the soul, the gut of anybody who's trying to listen to his words. He's talking about the heart of anybody who believes that God, the God of the universe, is still speaking. And at this church, we believe that. We believe that God is still saying things and doing things and inviting us into what God's doing in the world. He didn't just set it in motion and leave it to, to figure it out on its own. That God is still active. And so if we believe that God's still saying something and doing something and that Jesus died but came back to life and is living in and through us, then we are people who have to say, is my heart a heart that's ready to receive the things that God's trying to plant into my heart? 
Whether I made a commitment to Jesus a long time ago, and certainly if you haven't made that surrender moment to Jesus and, and that process for a lot of people to come to a place of following Jesus as the leader and savior of your life, if you aren't there yet, then this is the time. But this is about more than that, you guys. This is about all of our hearts and where we are at. So I want to just um, actually get really, really practical and so that we can answer these questions. These are the questions I left you with last week. Are we living lives where our hearts are soft, good, noble, as being spoken here, ready to persevere? Did you catch that word perseverance in verse 15? Hearts that have constancy, steadfast endurance. Will there be a crop, so to speak, of our lives, I asked last week. Will that crop yield a hundred times more than what was sown? which means that Jesus is doing some supernatural things to, to, to multiply in our lives. Would we describe our hearts as steadfast and constant and persevering? Or like the other soils described here, easily swayed and anxious and unsure and fleeting? These are the questions we have. So I have some worksheets. This is the when we're getting really training here. That's gonna be passed out. So every person or every other person can grab one of these and uh, we'll get some pens and stuff too. Oh yeah, Jenny's got some pens if you don't have one, if you wanna write anything down. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through these four different types of soil. Um, I've gone through these four different types of soil in flannel graph version, I said that last week. Flannel graphs are these cool felt things that they used to have that it's really sad that they're gone. We tried to find one on Craigslist a while back, couldn't find it. And, and I've gone through it when we're talking about salvation, but this is a key way for us to assess what's going on in our hearts, and then some ways that we can step out and, and step into practices that can help shape our hearts towards what God is leading us to. As you look at these practices, as I talk through them, I wanna be very honest with you. I don't think any of this is rocket science. Why do we say that still? It's not even the most crazy form of science anymore, but it, it's not, it's, it's actually relatively simple. But as we've said, this is the kind of thing, these simple daily choices are the things that actually bring change. You guys, nothing else has been proven to do that in the same way. And so these practices are gonna be simple. These practices are gonna be things that I have done in my own life or practices that the church has practiced for years. Okay, so this is nothing new, but this is crucial and key in the time that we're in. So what we're gonna do is go through each one of them. There is a copy of this on millcitychurch.com under blog. And there's actually links and things for all this stuff. So if you want more information, if you like that kind of thing, go to millcitychurch.com blog and you'll see this here with a lot more information on that. So here's the format. Put that, up, that format up on the screen for me, will you, Rollin? Of, of how we're gonna go through this. Those four phrases, yep. All right, so we're gonna talk about the type of heart. What are the identifying emotions that might help you know if your heart is, is that type of soil, that type of the soil is a metaphor for your heart, okay? And then what is the overarching spiritual response? And I have chosen these responses not as the only response, but based on what we see in the story of God. What is the response that God's people are invited into when this is the, the, the state of their heart? And then uh, three or four practices for each one. And I'm gonna describe them a little bit. You can take notes on that if you want to, and we'll, we'll talk through some of them and maybe even do one or two of them together. Okay, so the, the first one is a hard heart. So in verse, I think it starts in verse 12. It says, those along the path are ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. So the path, the path is worn down, it's hard. That's what it says earlier, right? So it's hard, it's too hard to actually let the seeds go into the soil. 
And so uh, that question we might ask is, do we have hearts that are hard and jaded and are not really allowing the seeds to sink in? Some of the emotions that would come from this would be apathy, cynicism, sometimes anger, uh, defensiveness. And it's not wrong to have any of these emotions. These are just emotions to help us know where we're at. No, no shame here at all. If we notice that our hearts are hard, a, a way that we respond spiritually, and you see this happen throughout scripture, is through repentance. Repentance can be a really thick word, but what it means is turning around, turning away from whatever is causing that hardness towards what God wants for you. Sometimes what's causing that hardness is, is creepy stuff. You hear this enemy, this, the devil, evil, but it's not always that we're turning away from those things. Sometimes it's turning away from apathy and turning away just from this sense of not wanting to engage. And even though sometimes it's harder and it brings more negative emotions to really engage with what's going on, it begins to soften our hearts when we're being able to repent and turn towards God. Let me describe some of these practices to kind of maybe open up this idea for you a little bit more. Uh, the first one is a prayer of protection. Uh, God gives us this invitation to pray that God's spirit would protect us from this enemy who in this story is a bird. Don't take it personally, birds. But the bird is representing, just in this story, Brittany loves birds, so it's not about birds being bad. But in this story, it's representing this idea that we have an enemy who wants to take away from you the things that God wants to do in your life. Very practical. We are invited to pray for protection from God in Jesus' name from those things to happen. We need to pray that prayer for our kids, you guys. We need to pray that God would protect their hearts in Jesus' name from the things that God's trying to do in their life and the, the way the enemy wants to take those things away. Can we pray that God would protect their hearts that are so fragile and so easily molded? We could talk about that for a long time, but praying prayers of protection on a daily basis, uh, putting a reminder to pray those prayers. The second one is repentance breath prayers. Maybe some of you are familiar with the idea of a breath prayer. It's just a one-sentence prayer. When you notice in your life that you're feeling that hardness of heart, you're just, you feel that wash of cynicism, or you just feel this anger that you don't know is righteous anger, it's like nasty anger, and it's coming up in your heart. In that moment, you can just say, either out loud or under your breath, God, forgive me for this anger. God, forgive me for this cynicism. You can just pray a prayer like, soften my heart. And if you were to pray that prayer, I believe that God will answer that. And can you see how that's a different response to the things that might be happening around you and the, and the things that are happening in your heart? If you practice that, things will change. The last one, a time of confession. This is so hard, you guys. We do not like doing this, and I totally get it. We're never going to put a microphone here and ask everybody to come up and, and confess. I saw that done once. It was a total disaster. We're not doing that. But you might want to start with journaling and trying to be as honest with God as you can be. God loves you. There is nothing you could do to make God love you less or more. Could you journal and be honest with God about some of those things that are going on in your heart and confess those things? Could you even find somebody who could be a conversation partner with you where you could confess some things to them? Did you know that the Bible says that we can forgive each other on God's behalf? We can say to somebody, hey, that sounds really hard. I'm sorry you've been through that. God forgives you. We can do that. That's an amazing feeling if you've ever experienced that. I know I have, and it's been amazing. Would, be, we, would we be willing to step into that practice? The second type of heart, the second soil, so to speak, is a tested heart. You hear this in verse uh, 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. 
They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. What does this mean by testing? Um, it just means when circumstances come in your life that are difficult. So it's kind of the metaphor makes sense. There's soil and you're digging in soil. Some of you have done this and you hit a rock. And you're like, great, this is going to take way more time now because we got to deal with this big rock that's in the ground. That's what it represents. A time of testing, a tested heart is one that is overcome by the circumstances that are coming again and again and again. And I know some of your stories, and that's where you've been at. You get knocked down, you get up, and then there's another thing, over and over and over again. And so sometimes you have a heart that has been very tested. Once again, this is not about shame. This is just about looking at what's going on in our hearts. Are there circumstances that cause us to quit before the things God's doing in our life has even taken root? Some of the identifying emotions might be sadness, might be being overwhelmed, defeated, uh, feeling really protective, like I'm, gonna get, I'm not getting, letting anything else get taken away from me after what I've had taken away from me. And so the spiritual response here is trust. Trust, and that can be very difficult. Nobody said that that would be easy, but it is very necessary. And there are some practices, many of these are not meant to be exhaustive, but let me just give you three practices. The first is the serenity prayer. I bet many of you have heard that prayer before. Uh, Roland, why don't you put the short version up there on the screen? A theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, wrote this, and it has been adopted by many groups of people, specifically 12-step groups of people, Alcoholics Anonymous. But this is, I would say, one of the most clear, concise prayers we can pray to be able to, to trust and turn our hearts towards trust. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then when God speaks, stepping into the things with courage or releasing the things that you cannot have control over. I think this is fantastic. The second thing would be having a shared experience conversation partner. I know sometimes when you're going through something, it feels like you are the only one. But I, I believe that that is a lie that an enemy wants you to believe to isolate you while you're in pain. You are not the only one. Sure, your story is individual. It's not just like anybody else's. But there are other people who have gone through what you're going through. You can find those other people. Ask around. Be willing to be vulnerable because there's people who can be in regular conversation with you about what you've experienced, whether that's mental illness, whether that's loss, whether that's uh, you know, being out of work for a long time. There are so many things that are circumstances that would be worth having a conversation partner. Don't believe the lie that you're the only one. And then the third one, uh, God action storytelling is what I'm calling it. God action storytelling. This idea of talking about the hardship you've been through and doing your best to point out how you saw God's faithfulness in the story. Sometimes it's really, really hard to do that, but it's a game changer. Abdiwak and I were talking about this. He said, I learned this practice from my mom. She looks back at the things in life and she doesn't pretend that they were all rosy and fine, but she's willing to say, and here's what I saw God do. And here's where God carried us through. And here's where God showed up. And here's where God was silent. And now that I look back, I see that he was there. Can we do that God action storytelling? Sometimes we do storytelling just to, to get uh, empathy or sympathy, but can we do that and talk about the ways that God was there for us in our lives? Okay, third. The, the third type of heart or soil is what I'll call the crowded heart. It says, the, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and so they do not mature. Uh, sometimes our hearts get really crowded. And once again, I think this happens so easily. 
especially in the information age when everything's coming at us all the time, your Pokemons are showing up or whatever. Like you got stuff going on in your brain. I get that. Sometimes we then have a crowded heart. These are the things that, that get in the way of the seed that God's trying to plant in your life, the way that God's trying to grow something in you. The emotions you might feel, feel if this happens would be fear, worry, anxiety, um, an unquenchable desire. So you're just feeling so drawn to something. It could actually be something really simple, but you just can't let it go. Like you're so drawn to it. You feel like you always have to, to have more and you're never satisfied. Or just this feeling of being distracted. Like as soon as you want to focus on the things that God might be doing in your life, something else gets your attention all the time. This is a crowded heart. And the spiritual response to this type of experience in our hearts is surrender. And you guys, sometimes that's like a daily thing, surrendering over and over again. That's part of what it means to live in a distracted world. And so a few practices. The first one I put is daily mindfulness. And what I mean by that is Christian mindfulness. This idea that you pay attention to what's going on in your mind and your heart. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? How does your body feel? I don't know about you, but I feel stress in my body before it gets to my brain. And then I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Oh, there are things going on. Paying attention and when you notice those things, inviting God's spirit into the very moment, the very moment that you're in. Inviting Jesus to that place right here, right now, when we tend to live in the past or in the future. But can we do that right now? The second thing would be a surrender prayers. Surrender prayers. I'm going to have you just act this out with me if you're willing. So in my mind, a surrender prayer, we've done this before here, is this idea of you putting your hands out in front of you. So do that if you're willing. And take as much time as you need, not right now, but at some point, and put metaphorically, spiritually, in your hands all the things that are burdening you. Put in all the distractions, all of the things you feel you need to confess. And after you're feeling, almost like feeling the weight of those things, you can lift those things to God. So just do that with me lifting those things to God. And then this is what I do. I just hold my hands here like this, which is really tiring actually for a while. And I hold my hands here until I can really actually let those things go. And when I know that at least for that moment, I've let those things go, then I just do this with my hands. And you can all just do that. As a full body symbol of I have let those things go. And man, there are some days when I have to do that every hour or every day. But that's what a surrender prayer looks like. I'm taking these things, I'm putting them out in front of God, I'm lifting them to him and I'm letting them go. And they'll come back again, but can we do that, that rhythm over and over? Uh, another one would be the daily examine. How many people have done the daily examine? I bet some of you have. If you Google that, you'll find so much about this. But this is a prayer, a way of praying that's been done for 400 years in Christian tradition. And um, on the blog online, we have a link to, to what this is about. So I would encourage you to look into that. It's basically helping you look over your day and surrender things to God, very specifically. And then finally, an accountability partner. Does anybody else kind of cringe when you hear that? Like some of us are like, ooh, accountability partner. Welcome to the 90s. We talked about that all the time back then. Uh, but honestly, like just let that stuff go. We're talking about people who partner with you to be able to do the things that you want to be able to do. You decided you want your heart to be shaped differently. Nobody can do that by themselves. You can't. You can try, but you need community and you need other people. And sometimes, especially if you're introverted, one other person might be enough. You don't need everybody. Do you have somebody who you're willing to say, help me as I'm processing through these things in my life? And so then finally, in verse 15, we see this fourth type of soil, the heart that God's hoping for us to have, a fertile heart, a heart that is ready to flourish. And it says, the, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, 
and by persevering produce a crop. And so some of the emotions that you'd have here would be, I think, basically the fruits of the Spirit. The things that you cannot force, but come out of a life that is a heart that, that whatever God's planting in your heart is growing. And so the fruit of that are these things. And the spiritual response is steadfast loving kindness. Has anybody heard that phrase before? Loving, steadfast loving kindness? It's used 200 times in the Bible to describe the kind of love that God has for us. Steadfast loving kindness. The word in Hebrew is hesed. It's 200 times to say that's how the God of the universe feels about you. And because you're made in God's image, this is the response that a heart that is shaped towards God will have. Steadfast, persevering, loving kindness. This is what our hearts begin to be shaped like. And some of the practices, and this is just a few, that begin to take place in the life of a person whose heart is ready for that growth. Um, listening and having empathy for people who are different than you. I, I use the term the other. For all of us, those people might be different. But can we listen and resist the, the temptation to respond with our own thoughts all the time? Can we actually listen? Uh, gratitude response. When you feel a sense of thankfulness and gratitude, speaking those things out loud, sharing those things with other people who maybe are experiencing uh, their heart in one of these other categories. Uh, the courage to risk. That means that in any moment you know, and you know what these moments are, where you feel like God's asking you to do something and you can either take the risk or not. You can either go down the road that God's inviting you into or you can take the safe route. Right now, a good example for me in my life is being willing to have a conversation with people who are, have experienced uh, specific trauma over this last month. So I'm talking specifically about police officers, people who are in uniform. I'm talking about African-Americans, uh, people from the GLBTQ community, uh, Muslim people who worship God differently, that worship the, the Muslim God, right? Okay, all these people have experienced trauma in the last month, yeah? Can we say to them, how are you really? How are you doing? And I know you might not wanna do that with strangers, but I had that conversation with a stranger yesterday and she began weeping and we talked. And I was nervous. I didn't want to talk to her about that. What if she was upset or what if she didn't want to talk to me? But I just said, hey, with everything that's going on, how are you, really? And we talked. Just a little practice, right? Just a little practice to ask people from those different groups of people who have experienced so much trauma that question. Can we say, how are you really and really want to know the answer? That takes risk. And then being willing to support other people. If, if you're in a place where you feel like your heart is fertile, right, and you feel like it's growing and things are happening, then could you be a support to other people and come alongside them and listen to them and be a conversation partner with them? These are some of the practices of a heart that is calibrated towards God. And you'll see at the bottom of the sheet, there's a little asterisk, and I always bring this kind of thing up. Sometimes talking to a counselor or a therapist or a doctor about some of these things that are going on in your mind and heart is the best thing you can do. I'm very big fan of this. I go to a therapist every other week to talk about what's going on in my heart. All right, and so if you, you'll see here, you can go on our website and there's a list of our referrals, the people who we think are really, really good at this. And if you have questions about that, you can just let us know. Um, I'm gonna have the band come back up. And um, one final thing, as a way of putting some of these things into practice, I encourage you to take this home. If you could find one other person to talk through this with, I'd really encourage you to do so. Um, but what I've created and what we have created now on Facebook, if you're a Facebook person, is what's called a community of practice. Maybe you guys have heard about this before. A community of practice. Uh, 
For the last couple decades, there's been groups of people who've done this about many different things, but the idea is that if you really want to make changes, if you really want to pursue specific things in your life, a community of practice is a proven way for that to happen, where there's other people who are pursuing those same things. And so there is a community of practice that we have on Facebook. Did you put the picture up there? If you search, you are what you love, you'll see this come up. And the, and the idea is that we're pursuing God's peace. We're taking actions of love in the midst of a very fear-filled world where things are very uncertain. We're not pretending like those things aren't real. We're saying in the midst of those things, how do we step into what God's inviting us into? So if you're interested in that, you can get your phones out right now. You can search, uh, you are what you love and you'll see this. Anybody can join. It doesn't have to be people from our church. And uh, let us know if you can't find it. And we're gonna pursue those things together. Let's pray together as we just prepare our hearts to respond to God in worship this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we need your love in our lives. As we're about to sing, we, we believe that your love never fails, and ours always does. Our love constantly fails. And so we need your love, your steadfast loving kindness in our lives. God, may we be people who welcome you as the gardener into our hearts through these practices, these small practices that turn our hearts towards you, where you are the gardener who is who's breaking up that hard ground. You, you help us pull those weeds. You are the one who creates soil and sows the seeds so that good things can grow in our lives. God, we pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you want to do in and through us, and that you would help us to, to see who we are and where we're at, where our heart is at today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.